What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Dr. Leon Hinged. I'm Dr. Shaw. I'm Dr. Maxfield. Welcome back. And it is officially summer. Actually, by the time that you're listening to this, it is officially summer, which means that if you're not tan yet and you wanted to be tan, we're going to tell you how to do it. We're going to tell you how to do it. Is it safe? Is it not safe? Is any tan bad? But we're going to be talking about spray tans, fake tans, bronzing. These are alternatives to getting out into the sun and they're becoming popular again. There was a headline here. It says, and actually some of this comes through that the new Barbie movie. Have you seen that movie, Dr. Shaw? Is it out yet? The new Barbie movie? There's a Barbie movie? I didn't know about this. It's not on my radar. Yeah. It's a, how is it not on your radar? So it's got Ryan Gosling in it. He's, isn't he like 62 years old? But um, he's Ken. Anyway, the headline here from the Observer is the new Bronze Age. Fake tan is back and it won't turn you orange. And not only is Ryan Gosling spray tanned for that movie, but then it talks about Martha Stewart. She says she's 81 years old. And for her recent Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover, a spray tan boosted her confidence. And there's a lot of sides to this. I mean, the first of it is like, does is being tan desirable? I guess that's a consideration as well. Um, you and I are both a little bit naturally tanner. We're solid Fitzpatrick three, four perhaps, but I don't know. Do you, what do you think about this whole idea of being tan being better? Is it a good thing? Bad thing? Yeah. I think that this is a debatable thing, right? Because on the flip side, uh, especially in my culture, uh, South Asian cultures, what you find is a focus mm. on being white. Um, and so there's a lot of colorism there where people are trying to figure out how to bleach their skin or use lightening and brightening products. And that is very dangerous. Not only are the products dangerous, but also just this idea of being more white, being more beautiful is very dangerous for people growing up in those areas. And uh, I think the reverse can be said about tanning, right? Because you're saying, well, it's the opposite of that. So you trying to be any color that you're not could be could be harmful in some ways. I, I don't think we look at it as detrimental in, in the West as maybe it is looked at in the East, but I think it's something to consider. Yeah, it is. And I, you know, I guess there's a lot of psychology behind it. There's larger social aspects of it. But the more immediate concern and the immediate threat to your body would be about how do you go about this? Because all throughout the summer and even your months preceding to the summer, people are looking to get a base tan. Oh, and there's some controversy. Let's just even start there. Is a base tan good? Is that real? Should people be getting a base tan? Because I hear this all the time. I get a base tan so I don't burn. It's good for me. Yeah. So that's a good question. So is getting a base tan good? So let's talk about this process here. So is getting any tan at all good for your skin? Like a tan from the sun, a UV induced tan, let's call it. Is that good? The answer is never going to be yes, because we know that any type of UV exposure from the sun is going to be deleterious to your DNA and could potentially lead to skin cancer and aging. Now, that being said, if you have a base tan, right, what happens is you are producing more melanin in the reaction to UV exposure, and that melanin is protective from the sun to some extent. So you are sort of inducing some type of UV protection by having a base tan. But in the process of developing this base tan, you're causing skin damage. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think you've said it yourself. So there's some truth to that. A base tan will protect you from future burns, but it certainly doesn't protect you from probably some of the long-term damage from the sun. And then the cumulative effect of it is just a net long-term loss. So yes, it might protect you from the immediate UVB burn the next time you go out, but long-term, 
it's not good for you. And then of course, tanning overall, it is bad for you. It's just a marker of sun damage, like Dr. Shaw said, but then we have these spray tanners. So, or fake tanners, and this is completely different. Actually, I'm actually not a big, I'm not opposed to spray tanning at all. I know some people are like very adamantly against it. They say it's very unhealthy, but basically you take the sugar molecule, the hydroxyacetone or dihydroxyacetone. Um, the history behind this was interesting. It was like an oral supplement back in the 1920s. And they noticed, of course, people becoming bronzer. And then in the 1970s, I think it was first marketed as a tanning solution. But basically you put it on your skin. It makes a complex through reactions with amino acids in the stratum corneum, the top layer of the skin. It creates melanoidins, which are like melanin like the pigment in our skin and it creates hopefully a kind of even blanket pigment distribution so that in and of itself is fairly inert now there are some there's some controversy about whether it causes oxidative damage um i don't think there's any studies to show that it's very deleterious or it goes anywhere beyond the stratum corneum so i'm not really concerned about that but the biggest confounder i think i see people make is they think they get a spray tan and just like the base tan they think they're protected from the sun and that's where they go wrong is because a spray tan a bronzer, a tanner, whatever it is, it has an SPF of like two. Like if the DH, the hydroxyacetone concentration is like 20%, I think the number is like 2.2. That's your SPF, which is like nothing. That's nothing. You're not protected from the sun. So you can look tan, be tan, but you're not protected from the sun. Yeah. So, you know, kind of piggybacking on everything that you said right there, uh, that sugar reacting with that top layer of the skin can produce that nice bronzing effect to the skin. That being said, you know, there is maybe some talks about whether or not there's some oxidative stress. But, you know, a lot of times now, and I've looked at some recent articles on this, is that they've actually created self-tanners with antioxidants to off-balance a lot of this oxidative stress that they're expecting to get from that DHA reacting with the skin. And so apparently newly formulated self-tanners are actually meant to offset the oxidative damage from that reaction happening. See, there it is. Now it's even safer. So I'm really not, a, not, I'm not opposed to it at all. It's an alternative for people going out and deliberately damaging their skin. So that's good. Have you ever had a spray tan or a fake I've tan? actually never had a spray tan, but I am highly considering this spray tan because I used to do a lot of the, I was part of the gym tan laundry generation. That's how I personally ended up with a skin cancer. It was from tanning booths. There's no doubt about it in my entire mind because I got a, a, a skin cancer on my chest, which there's really no other reason for me to get skin cancer on my chest other than for me to have been baking in the tanning booths growing up. And it was a basal cell skin cancer. We removed it. All is good in the world. However, um, now I still think, you know, I would consider it because um, right now, you know, it would help with some uneven skin tone issues that you're having, some just like textural issues that you're having. So if you think about it, if you naturally go tanning, right, you end up with uneven pigment distribution, right? Like even you, Dr. Maxfield, right? When you look at your skin, you mm-hmm. have freckles, right? So your pigment now, when you were younger, actually, in fact, you probably got more of an even pigment distribution when you went tanning from the sun. But now, because we get older, our, our melanin doesn't produce evenly in the skin, an actual spray tan would give you a more even appearance of your skin tone because it would be covering up any imperfections in your normal melanin production. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, all right, I'll tell you this. So I did get a spray tan once and it's kind of one of those things. If you don't know me, if you're new to me, I like to try things, especially if other people experience them so I can speak to their point. And uh, Victoria, she works at the office. She's a very dynamic individual and uh, she was, it was lunchtime and she was like, hey, I'm going to go get a tan. And I was caught up and we had like a huge break. It's like, 
all right, let's go. So I went and got a spray tan. In between um, patients. No, yeah, over lunch. So we were back with plenty of time. <laughs> I was getting progressively bronzer throughout the day. <laughs> um, it was a fun experience though, you know? You know what's fun also? Um, I, for whatever reason, like I was in my scrubs and basically everyone there was like, oh, I need to get a skin check. And I was like, yeah, you pretty much do. It was like I was pro- probably call it proselytizing within the tanning booth. So but, you went to a self-tanning, like a, a, a spray tanning place that also had traditional UV tanning beds correct that is correct yeah mm, mm, yeah yeah no those people bake over there i i, I remember the people <laughs> i used to work i had some friends that used to work at tanning salons growing up and uh those people spend more time in the tanning beds than even any of the customers do and so mm-hmm. they are gonna have to reckon with that just like i did as a teenager yeah so now anyways i enjoyed the experience i thought it was fairly straightforward the fda you know don't get it in your eyes don't get it in your mouth um the interesting thing is the safety behind that i'm not sure if that's like particularly harmful because of what it was originally purposed for but i'm not saying do it still protect your eyes don't consume this stuff but uh just physiologically i have a big issue with like breathing things in like yeah. even even <laughs> uh sunscreen sprays right i have this sunscreen spray right in front of me here this alta mm. MD new one mm-hmm. and um, I'm always, uh, I'm always, uh, wondering about what happens in the lungs. And now, in fact, I, I know what happens in the lungs, right? But think about this. If you, if you breathe in something that your body cannot get rid of, right? It's not something that your body can like take and do something with, right? Like it's some type of, uh, uh, mineral or something like this, right? That doesn't belong there. It, what happens, right? I mean, essentially your, your lungs will like wall it off, but it won't go anywhere unless like it's actually pushed out by like the cilia in your lungs. And so I'm not a big fan of breathing in anything that's not supposed to be breathed in. So mm-hmm. I always hold my breath when using spray sunscreens. I always hold my breath when I'm doing anything, even misting like a skincare product on my face. I always mm. hold my breath because I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about breathing in things that aren't supposed to be in my lungs. That's fair. There's, I, you know, it's interesting about the sunscreen thing. I think there are some studies specifically on titanium dioxide uh, when it comes to inhalation of particles. Uh, I tried to do a quick search. I know I've bookmarked this in the past. Um, maybe I'll throw it in the description if I find it. But titanium dioxide, like everything has their own pluses and minuses. But for inhalation, I think that's actually something I personally avoid based off of some studies I read years ago. So I'm right there with Dr. Shaw. Add that to the list of things Dr. Maxfield doesn't recommend inhaling titanium dioxide. It's a short list. <laughs> it's so, a short list. So it's, uh, it's good to know what's on it. But, you know, this is actually something to think about because if you're breathing in something like this, right, and we see this in a lot of, you know, this is outside the scope of dermatology necessarily, but people that work in industries like mining or they work with asbestos, for example, like in the past, like inhalation, occupational injuries, right? People breathing in something that they're working with, that's a particle and that depositing in the lungs and causing interstitial lung diseases is a real documented thing that occurs. So I could see some type of inhalation injury from inhaling these particles for sure. Um, oh, and yeah. it would be similar to an occupational injury if you did it enough, I would think. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, no matter what you're smoking, it's not good. Um, now, I guess, okay, so some f- functional practical breathe tips here. Breathe air. For breathe, <laughs> yeah, breathe air at the end. The um, So we talked about texture. The other thing you said is if a spray tan causes even texture more than the sun, which is absolutely true. And here comes the tips for applying your spray tan. Here we go. Here we go. The older you get... The more texture you already have, you may have some brown separate keratoses. You might have some texture, and those actually highlight and pick up that 
the tan or the bronzer, they'll pick that up more and it makes it, it can look pretty bad. So the first step before you exfoliate, oh no, no, there was, I gave it away. The first step before you tan, you need to exfoliate. Like that's the best thing you can do is try to get that skin texture as even as possible to allow for an even distribution when you apply the tanner. That's like the first tip. Where do we go next? Um, Oh yeah. The next thing is the thick areas. Like if you go to a spray tan, a professional spray tan place, they'll walk you through this a little bit, but you need to protect and cover up those areas where the really thick stratum corneum, the elbows, the hands, the feet, because if you've ever applied this yourself or you've known people to do so, you can get some crazy orange feet, hands, elbows, um, disproportionate to the rest of your skin. So you got to protect those areas, wait for the tan to mature and then have no regrets because you really can't go back on this. Like you can try to exfoliate to get rid of it faster. But um, you're going to have to live with this for a little while until your skin cells turn over, which is roughly about a month as it starts to fade unevenly. Right. Okay. So tips are cover the palms and soles. Second tip, mm-hmm. exfoliate the skin before so that it, it layers better. Now, I would even mention don't exfoliate afterwards because if you are exfoliating afterwards, you're likely to remove part of that self tanner. Uh, so just be cautious of that as well if you want your self tanner to stay around a little bit longer. So yes, I think in conclusion, we, we agree that self tanners are far safer, spray tanning far safer than UV tanning. And actually nowadays, I think a lot of the, the tanners are much better looking than they used to be. They look much more natural. Um, they have a very, very, very small amount of UV protection in them, but not, but negligible. You still need to wear sunscreen. And if you want to layer it properly, then follow Dr. Maxfield's tips. I think, uh, I think we're both pro self tanners. Yeah, definitely. Now, one last thing here, I'll diverge. And then we're going to go into this really fun article I found about some of the things you're doing to screw up your skin potentially. But did you know that, so we always talk about how UV glass uh, does not block UVA. I'm sorry, window glass does not block UVA. Mm -hmm. But the tinting of the windows now has come a long way. And I got my windows tinted and it's like, they're telling me, yeah, blocks UVA, UVB. Not only that, it's SPF 1000. Oh, mathematically. How does that make sense? How do you get SPF 1000? It's in their brochures. And I'm like just Googling it really quick. And it's it's uh, labeled accordingly. Ooh. Okay. So, uh, yes. Um, you know, in fact, there are derms that will write you a prescription for window tinting if you get a lot of skin cancers. If you have any uh, light-induced conditions, PMLE, lupus, uh, solar urticaria, um, what's the uh, porphyria. Um, if you have any of these conditions that are sort of light induced, uh, derms will actually write you a prescription. I know some, some derms with maybe a little bit more of a nefarious, uh, uh, script writing process that will write you a script anyway. So just consider that, um, in the process of looking for your, your window tinting. Um, but yes, no, it, it, for sure. I mean, I think that to window tinting will block, will, will block some of that UVA radiation. And so it's probably a worthwhile endeavor versus, and I want to, what do you think about these, uh, these people wearing the UV visor? Um, like the, the full face shield, the full face that shield dude is so extra. I, uh, <laughs> I think it's a, I don't know, man, dude. I, it's so funny because like this whole um, affair with the sun within my profession, there's just, there's whole, there's polar ends even within the you should protect your skin group. Like I definitely am more of the live life 
I'm in that spectrum. I'm not in the um, cover your face, never go outside, wear the visor while you're sleeping. That's just not me because I'm. I just think being active is healthy as the overall person. But that's just me. Like, sure, it works great. If you want perfect skin, do that. If you want perfect skin, reapply your sunscreen inside every two hours. Where is that from the AAD? Nowhere. But if you want perfect skin, by all means, do it. Otherwise, protect your skin. Avoid peak hours. Reapply every two hours when you're outside. Try to protect, prevent skin cancers. Have healthy skin. That's me. But um, by all means, get yourself a little visor. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think you're right. I think we kind of, and I've talked about this before. I think that some of us go over the top with this, and I think when you tell people they need to do all of these things to have nice skin, it almost is prohibitive because you're like, well, if I have to do all of this, then I'm not going to do any of this, right? So it's almost like an all or none for a lot of people. And so they're like, well, I'm not going to reapply sunscreen every two hours. I'm not going to wear a visor. I'm not going to wear gloves on my hand out in the sun uh, to protect my hands from aging. And so they're like, you know what? I'm not going to wear sunscreen at all because this whole thing is just too hard to get into. And I actually think that that's actually prohibitive in some ways. Now, I think the people that are wearing the visors are more like making a statement. They're they're almost like, I like skincare. Like it's almost like being part of a club almost than like actual real, than actual having real utility in my mind. Um, Because you could probably just wear sunscreen unless it's like right after a procedure. I could see like if you got like a deep chemical peel or if you got a laser procedure and you didn't want to necessarily wear sunscreen right afterwards because, you know, you have basically injuries to your skin, that going home in a visor could make sense. Uh, but I think on the day to day, it's probably a unnecessary extra thing to do. Bro, I've never, I've never seen someone wear something like that in the day to day. Dude, I've never seen someone at the beach wearing a visor. If you're going to wear a visor to the beach, you should just avoid the beach. You know what I mean? Like just stay inside. If you're that, if you're that, if it's that important to you, which is fair. Like you probably just should just be making life choices, lifestyle choices to avoid direct. What do you life. think about people wearing, uh, uh, doing their skincare routine on the plane? I mean, is that different than like doing it while you drive? Like, I don't know. I mean, probably safer, I guess, but I don't care. Do it in the plane, do it in the bathroom. Why would, what's the problem? What's the problem with the plane? <laughs> I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I fly a lot lately and anytime someone's doing anything extraordinary next to me on the plane, like someone was clipping their nails next to me on the plane. That's different. And I'm like, this is not the place <laughs> nor the time. Um, so, you know, I think uh, some things are, are best meant for your own home. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, I just get, anyway, yeah, we I digress. Know. We digress. Okay, so let's yeah. jump into this article because Dr. Maxfield flagged a very interesting article. And uh, the name of said article is not on my radar right now. Where is it? <laughs> It's See, like 20. that like, warm-up intro there. Um, yeah, it's perfect. Go ahead, pick, read it off. You picked it up, I'll drop it. You dropped it, I'll pick it up. 20 daily mistakes that are aging you, drinking through a straw, rubbing your eyes, and more. All right, so to re-intro this topic, these are the 20 daily mistakes that are potentially aging you, according to USA Today. And we're going to go through all 20 of them, and we're going to tell you what we think. Let's go. This first one is getting trendy again. Most of these have come around. This one's getting coming around again. Um, I'll post a little thing on my IG about this already because I'm already ready for this topic. But it's drinking through a straw. Drinking through a straw. So can this cause wrinkles around your mouth in particular or drinking from the bottle? They say it has the same effect. 
I propose that to you. Okay, so here's my thoughts on this. Drinking through a straw, does it cause wrinkles around your mouth? And is this something that you need to obsess over or potentially buy a new straw because of? And in my opinion, the answer is no. Unless you are guzzling liquids 24-7 and you have your mouth consistently in, because the same argument could be made is kissing people causing you to have wrinkles around your mouth because you're probably spending as much time in the kissing pose in your lifetime as you are in the straw suction pose. I just don't think you're doing it enough to create real wrinkles, right? So when we think about how wrinkles are formed, right? Like even on our forehead or in our glabella, our like frown lines, it's from constantly moving, dynamic movement that's leading to static wrinkles from just constantly moving over time. And around the mouth, you are probably not in that mode for long enough to have any appreciable difference to your mouth. Now, if you were a smoker, I could see this certainly happening. One, because smokers age more rapidly because of all the collagen damage from all like the hydrofluorocarbons. And two, because you are more often going to be in this pursed lip pose because smoking takes much longer than it does to sip a drink. And so I would I would argue that it's probably not relevant. Yeah, it's, it's like, in my opinion, similarly, it's just like physiologically, yes, you're moving your orbicularis oris. It causes the lines that are dynamic and then can become static. But is this really the main cause? You do realize that like anytime you say anything that ends with the ooh sound, you're also moving the muscle the same way. So if you think about your vocabulary, just drop That's everything. Why I stopped saying the word oh. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Very interesting. Oh. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, I agree. So it, it's in theory possibly contributing real life. I doubt that it's very much impactful. So do you want to adjust your straw habits? By all means. Uh, again, I'm not sure that's the meaningful answer people are looking for. What are your thoughts on paper straws? Uh, oh, they, the texture is atrocious. Holy my gosh, I have a strong Nothing opinion on that one. better than when trying to enjoy a drink than your straw disintegrating in your own mouth. <laughs> I think it actually adds to the experience, quite honestly, because you're honestly faced with no, I think life has gotten too easy in many ways. And, you know, people are door dashing to get their food. They don't even go grocery shopping anymore. And you know what? I think you need to face struggles. And I think one of those struggles on a daily basis is having to sip through a cardboard <laughs> straw that disintegrates in your mouth. And at least you'll know what adversity is when you're drinking your Starbucks drink you know what else is dangerous okay that's uh, okay that texture on that is terrible like yes it's awful i'm not a big fan like i use them i have a, i have some straws they're like there are some new ones though that i don't know what they're honestly made out of they're recycled something and they're much better but here's another one Pit, the metal straws these are just straight up dangerous man i would i drink coffee i drink coffee through a straw for a separate reason but um you can burn the heck out of your mouth for your teeth uh, yeah for my teeth yeah ah okay the teeth thing is real Oh, I do. I sure do. What about the fact that you use a white strip every day? Doesn't that help in, in flipping? No, this? I use a white strip like every three months, like one every three months. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> They're expensive. Okay. <laughs> but then also you can like, you can hit your teeth with these metal straws. I did it yesterday when I was making the video. I just like straight up slammed the metal straw into my tooth and I was like, what? Okay, so I'm going to chip a tooth on a metal straw. So I don't know. Still need work and innovation in the straw world. But I'm a big fan of moving on past the plastic straws. I actually really hate plastic. 
I'm actually, I'm actually a big unplastic kind of person. Yeah, we there's so much plastic waste in the world. We need something, maybe like bamboo. Like, can we get like a baby bamboo that we sip out of? I feel like that would have some. That long-term. sounds great. Yes. Yeah, that's bamboo it. Straws. That's the answer. Let's go. Perfect. Okay, bamboo next straws. on the list is um, next on the list is drinking anything but water. So basically, drinking anything. Wrinkles are from dehydration, loss of collagen elasticity, leading to sagging of skin, loss of X Y Z, etc., etc., etc. Basically. Everything except for water, whether it's soda, sports drinks, juice, all of it accelerates cell aging. Is this true? Well, okay, I will say this. I do believe that sugar and high glycemic foods are the worst thing you can do for your skin and for your body, probably as far as food intake goes. And I personally eat a lot of sugar. So like, I'm not saying that I'm like somehow better than everybody. I'm actually actively trying to decrease my actual like sugar intake because I do think it's like horrible for you in general, just what it does to your body. Um, But that being said, I think that water is probably the best beverage. Uh, I, I really don't think that you can beat water as far as a nutritional drink. I, and there's about, nothing else that's as good. What about green tea? Yeah, I mean, I drink a lot of tea. I, I mean, I think green tea has a lot of good anti. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I think still water is probably better, right? I don't know. Water's yeah, do like, too. yeah, like water, like, like it's definitely okay. You know, the the debate about whether you know real Coke is, is better than Diet Coke versus like you know these like artificial sweeteners, like, and then you know there's a warning now, I guess from, um, what is it from the FDA or from the CDC? Yeah, something about- like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that that, like, if you've been around a long enough, you'll know that this debate goes back and forth. And no matter when you weigh in or how you weigh in or what type of research you bring with you, there's somebody who's going to bring research opposed to you. And so there's almost no benefit in weighing in on the artificial sweetener debate. Uh, that being said, I, I do think that water is going to be better than Diet Coke and regular Coke. 100% of the time. So <laughs> so okay, no um, so I'm going to stick with that. Uh but uh but green tea is great. All right, no arguments there. It's all I mean water is probably the, what we're designed to drink. That's probably the best thing for us. Okay, sure. Um sugary beverages are bad. I don't think it's going to fix your wrinkles. I'm not a big like drink water fix this kind of person, especially with skincare. It's, it's all fake. I'm definitely on the whatever I'll, I'll, this is my life tip for everyone like high glycemic everything like dr shaw said is bad i've adopted that and it's revolutionized my like health my weight my eating habits my binge eating like i can't tell you it's insane the difference i've tried a lot of things um but that's changed my life okay back to the thing enjoying happy hour too much okay so drinking alcohol basically is bad for your skin it'll cause wrinkles oh, wow this is interesting or wait a minute there's a very specific thing drinking too much causes arcus cornea a white or gray half circle on your eye and an earlobe crease Mm. this is very specific so alcohol causes premature aging an earlobe crease and arcus cornea a half circle around your eye is that true Mm. that's a little much i actually don't know specifically i know that like um that like wrinkle on the ear um is associated with like cardiovascular disease right yeah isn't that the yeah, dermatologic that, sign heard that too i do that is familiar along with some other things but yeah that sounds like some boards fodder but uh jumping yeah. into that let's talk about alcohol specifically because this has actually become very popular amongst the sort of health hackers and the bio biohacking population right the people that wear the aura rings those people 
are very much into the studies on things that can be just dangerous to the body in general that cause oxidative stress that um and there's been a long the long long debate uh through the, at the course of history whether or not alcohol in small amounts are beneficial mm-hmm. right like especially drinking red wines that have antioxidants in them whether or not small amounts are beneficial and you know there was talks about okay for men, two drinks are good and one drink for women. Um, and I don't know who based the study on it, but that was a long, a long time recommendation, actually. And there are new data, news data, new data has come out that has said that there is no safe amount of alcohol, that any amount of alcohol is not only da- bad for your skin, but it's also bad for other parts of your body as well. And so that there is no safe amount of alcohol and that people should just stop drinking altogether if they want to live the healthiest and happiest lives. Yeah, that I've I think that's I think it's probably true to be honest. I I don't know. It's all anecdote. Like you said, this is another topic topic where the studies can go on either side. You could have a full argument, full of studies on either side of this debate. But I do think actually that the consensus is it in line with some of the more recent studies where it shows you can get a cardiovascular benefits, you do get antioxidants from things like red wine and specific alcohols, but there is an actually increase in overall carcinogenesis and cancer risk in the same population. So, it's a double-edged sword. Right. And, uh, you know, the breakdown products of alcohol when you consume it produce a lot of toxic metabolites to your body that are dangerous to your cells and lead to cell death. And so certainly I I think that alcohol is probably, you know, we'll learn more and more about is is just really not good for the body at all. And interestingly enough, um, you know, when I was an intern, I would take care of really, really sick patients. And a lot of patients were dying or near death. And I remember distinctly my liver injury patients, my patients with cirrhosis and liver failure and hepatorenal syndrome and hepatopulmonary syndrome. And those were the sickest patients in the hospital. And I remember watching these people suffer more than the smokers, right? More than any other people um, were the people that ended up with like alcoholic liver disease. Um, that was one of the worst ways to go in my experience. And so that always stuck with me. And, uh, you know, with now new data coming out about the dangers of alcohol, you know, it just kind of solidifies that for me. Yeah, I think it's true. Liver is underappreciated, underrepresented. It doesn't get enough credit or attention. All right. Next up is we'll skip the dessert. The one. Always having dessert. Skip it. Well, that's the same thing. I think it's the Glycemic same thing. index. Yeah. All right. So number five, cranking up the heat at home. Hmm. This causes premature aging. Now there is an ideal temperature, right? Like, isn't it the best temperatures to sleep in is like 67 degrees or something like that, or 65 mm. degrees. It's good for me. I like that. I like it. Cool. I, it works. It makes sense though, because I think we do know that colder. Well, okay. So I was thinking in terms of like stroke injury, heart attack, like things like that, we do cool the body temperature significantly to preserve tissue. So I'd assume that it would decrease some sort of damage just on the daily as well. Additionally, um, it does increase your calorie consumption by creating your basal heat, which may be beneficial. I don't know. You know, I don't feel strong about this, but uh, this says there's a significant decrease in skin elasticity and increase in wrinkles after exposure to dry air. Okay, well, sure. Okay, sure. And yeah, they say they recommend a temperature of 69.8 degrees Fahrenheit for the living room. Wow, this is very specific. And 64.4 Fahrenheit in other occupied rooms. That's extremely precise. Um, and you know, there's somebody that's going to follow those instructions specifically. Too. They're the do. same people wearing the visors. It's, it's, 
It's exactly the person. Um, but that being said, you know, I do think like heat, for example, like heat is not good for like conditions like melasma and rosacea. Mm -hmm. Um, and so certainly like cooler temperatures are going to help certain skin conditions. I don't know if it's meaningful enough, whether you're 70 or 68 degrees. Uh, we, we sleep in a very cold house, very cold. Um, so, you know, I do think I sleep better when it is a little bit colder, but I don't think probably like one or two degrees probably makes a difference on your long-term skin health. So I'd probably, I probably wouldn't obsess over it if you like a little bit of a warmer temperature. Me either. But here's how this ties into the next one. Actually, this ties in perfectly. There was, um, there was a study that was done. It was on individuals living, uh, in an area where there's no light pollution whatsoever, which I'm sure is hard to come by these days. And it was checking on their sleeping patterns. Cause like, you know, if you don't have lights, if you don't have anything going on when it gets dark out, what, what's our sleep schedule? And it wasn't regulated by light. That was the kicker of the study. It was regulated by temperature. And so it was actually the, the temperature drops that were controlling these individual sleep cycles, which would line up perfectly, which why we sleep better when it's cool. And the next one is this one ages you. I have no doubt about it not getting enough sleep mm. that is certainly a contributor to premature aging they talk about the skin but whew. you know it's super interesting if you don't sleep you'll die um <laughs> right like there's uh there's like familial sleep disorders right where you can't fall asleep and you mm, die because nightmare. you can't sleep uh like you actually physically die and mm -hmm. it's sort of like an interesting phenomenon because like i don't know that we fully know you know, and th this is definitely outside of my scope of medical understanding. Why we need to sleep. Dude, we right? don't know. It's, we know nothing about sleep. We're so far from it. And uh, I, I think it's sort of interesting because like what really happens while we're sleeping such that like humans need to sleep. Now, I, I definitely think that just from my own personal anecdotal experience, you know, I was always told growing up, you know, the people, the people that were sort of praised were these people that never slept, worked all the time. They went to bed at, you know, 10 at midnight, woke up at 3 a.m. and were able to be so productive. And now we're getting like a little bit of a reversal of this where we're seeing a lot of entrepreneurs saying that they now sleep eight hours a day or they sleep 10 hours a day or they, they make sure that they're maintaining their sleep schedule. And I thought I was somebody who could get away with not sleeping for long periods of time and still be as as productive. And there's a lot of studies that actually show, and they show this in the medical literature because there's a lot of doctors that are sort of forced to work like 26 hour shifts, 24 hour shifts. And they find that like not sleeping for periods of time is like the equivalent of being drunk on the job because your decision-making capacity and your speed of making decisions is significantly inhibited by not sleeping enough. And from my own anecdotal experience, like my creativity drops off like within a day of me not getting mm. good sleep. So even though like I'm able to like do my daily functions as le at least I think I'm doing a, a good job at them, um, my mood, my, uh, my creativity, like all these things, like they just, they, they immediately are, are, are diminished by not getting enough sleep or flipping my schedule too often. And so I need at least like six to eight hours of sleep personally at this point. And I, I do think it makes a big difference yeah. with aging if you don't sleep. Dude, yeah, I didn't sleep. So I, that's my Achilles heel in life is actually sleep. I didn't sleep last night. I'm probably gonna not going to sleep this night just because I'm talking to all of you, which is extremely valuable and important. But that's, uh, so it actually snowballs, but like uh, you just can't overcome a lack of sleep in any aspect. You can't exercise lack of sleep. You can't out skincare lack of sleep, your skin, your face. It all just looks terrible. Um, there's another study with showed that during intern year for doctor's training, you age six times. You age, basically age six years in one year. 
just your because DNA. the lack of sleep. Your yes. DNA. They actually check the telomere shortening. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, sleep is paramount. Six to eight. You know, you don't. You do need less as you get older. But yeah, six to eight is probably ideal. So just real quick on this because I got curious. Fatal insomnia, an extremely rare disease that results in trouble sleeping as its hallmark symptom. Eventually, the patient will succumb to total insomnia, most often leading to other symptoms such as speech problems, coordination problems, and dementia. It results in death within a few months to a few years and has no known cure. That's That's terrifying. Crazy. It is. It's a nightmare. What a horrible experience. Oh, my gosh. So sleeping, yes, we agree. We, on, <laughs> We're on, on that board note. with that one. Uh, but, th- but this one says sleeping on your side, like mm-hmm. specifically or your stomach or your side too. So not getting enough sleep, definitely. And then another one on this list was sleeping on your stomach or your side. Now, sleeping on your stomach or side, I don't think it makes a massive difference. I think if you sleep on your side, you may form sleep wrinkles. I don't know. I mean, I think the, the debate is out on this one, though there was some studies on this. You actually kind of changed my mind on this. I said in another podcast, I was like, nah, that doesn't exist. And I've been ruminating on it since then. Um, you spent, I think it's more meaningful hours. than the straw issue. Like, I, yeah, I think I do too. probably I do you too. laying on your face for 12, like eight hours, right? In a particular mm-hmm. position that's smushing your face, it's more likely to leave a crease on your face than sipping out of a straw, in my opinion. Yeah, me too. You definitely don't sip out of straw six hours a day. So, okay, so more validity than a straw. It's debatable, debatable. What's the next one? Screen time or slouching? Screen time? Next one's eating too much junk food, which we already same said, thing. like not eating. Same thing. Too much screen time. Mm. And this one this one kind of leans in heavy to the blue light emitted mm-hmm. from your laptop prevents you from falling asleep, but also may damage your skin. And there's not a lot of good evidence that there's actually no good evidence, at least not at the recording time of this podcast, to suggest that blue light that's emitted from your screens is strong enough to cause any significant damage to your skin in a meaningful way. Now, we know blue light coming from the sun is strong enough to to cause things like hyperpigmentation, but we don't know whether or not blue light coming from your screen is enough to induce this. And so, in my opinion, it's not something worth probably worrying too much about. And here's what we'll talk about our sponsor. This is from Blue Blockers. Blue Blockers will provide you safety. I'm just kidding. No, I know there are so many different like, glasses. <laughs> There's so many oh, glasses. That's that the dream. The dream yeah. to get a blue light blocking sponsorship. There's a, now that the one side of blue light that is actually somewhat legitimate is it does interact with what your hypothalamus and the production of natural melatonin and your sleep cycle. So that's the one thing I will say is valid. We do use visible light spectrum to regulate our diurnal hormone production a little bit so if you're going to buy any buy any blue light blocking device actually glasses probably would be more legitimate if you're going to be on your screens at nighttime than some sort of product for your skin which protects against blue light which they do have those too um so i'd say glasses trump blue light blocking skincare. 100 percent. all right so next up on this list and we'll try to blow through this pretty quickly now slouching yeah. so poor posture contributes to acceleration of your aging and technic um it's so popular the chiropractor another one kill me i don't i don't think that like technic you know i think if you're like horribly have you a horrible posture maybe it's contributing to your technic um i i just I think that people are focusing too much on their necks. 
but uh, mm. but I do think that one of the main problems that people, one of the main mistakes people are making in skincare is that they're not bringing their skincare down to their neck. And that means applying sunscreen on your neck. And that means applying your retinols on your neck. I think people take much better care of the skin on their face. And then they notice this discrepancy between the age of the skin on their neck and the age of the skin on their face. And that's attributed to the fact that they're just not doing as much for your neck as you are doing for the rest of your face. In my opinion, I think that's more more relevant to the discussion of neck aging than than the position that you hold your your head yeah i agree and out of my scope too i completely agree with all that but then the, yeah there's the tictok viral video of slouching where like how do you fix xyz well you stop doing this slouching forward for those of you who can't see and you sit up straight it's like it's somehow this like miraculous inspirational movement that just revolutionizes someone's life it's like no that's that's ridiculous it's absurd I've always sat very upright, though, to be fair. I almost have like you an have. abnormally straight posture, uh, sure suspiciously, do. like people take pictures <laughs> of how straight my posture is almost, it's not even normal looking. So, um, so I'm like the opposite. I'm like a, like a reverse, a reverse hunchback. Mm. What do you call that? A hunch front? A hunch front. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Okay. So next up is rubbing your eyes. Okay. And this kind of goes mm. into the next thing where, where yes, like rubbing your eyes, using makeup wipes, which, you know, you know how like I'm kind of like saying that most of the stuff that we worry about is not that big of a deal. I do mm. think that makeup wipes, because mascara is so difficult to remove and eyeliner is so difficult to remove and a lot of them are waterproof and they don't emulsify easily, people use a lot of pressure uh, when using these makeup wipes to clean mm. their eyes. And I do think that that causes enough irritation around the eyes to cause things like dark circles, uh, fine lines, um, and just disrupt the skin barrier in general. So I do actually think this is something that is actually meaningful. And we know we see this in people with eczema, right, where they get what there we call is. allergic shiners um, from rubbing their eyes often enough. So, so rubbing your eyes often enough can cause lichenification and skin changes that will have a significant difference in your appearance. And so I do think rubbing your eyes can age you. Yeah, I, I think that is possible. I don't think we give the skin around the eyes quite enough credit. So it's like the line between applying your eye creams with your fourth, your third, no, fourth digit, sorry, third finger, fourth digit, uh, and then rubbing your eyes vigorously. I think that's where the transition occurs. So I'm with you. I think yeah, I think that the finger, we've talked about this, the finger mm -hmm. which in which you apply your, your skincare with, again, is it's meaningless in, in the scheme of life. Mm -hmm. next is next then is stress holding on to grudges does stress age you yeah uh yeah so. we know this for a fact stress certainly ages you um stress is one of the worst things for your body but what are we going to tell you to do not be stressed I yeah guess. don't worry about it obviously <laughs> that's the solution <laughs> it's just don't worry about it meditate <laughs> uh things like that can be helpful <laughs> no, um you know they have a good um uh, the serenity prayer. Um, so in AA, Alcohols Anonymous, uh, they have a serenity prayer uh, that they do before, before maybe after every meeting. I'm not quite sure, um, but basically, it's it's uh, you know God grant me the serenity uh, to accept the things I cannot change, the strength to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, or something like this. You and, do that from um, memory. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good, right? I, I don't, that's probably it's, not verbatim, so like, don't quote close. me. But basically, I've got it in front of me. So, so ba basically, the idea is that you know that that if you can't, and this is our uh, doctorly um, uh, supportive tip of the day, 
if you can't change it, if you can't fix it, um, then you, you should probably should not overthink it. You know, and I think that'll make your life a lot easier. Hmm. Yeah. All right. That's a big picture thought. Things are out of our control. We're a lot less important than we think. All right. Next step, um, washing your face too often. Yeah, I think washing your face is probably one of the most harmful parts of your skincare routine in general, just because, you know, a lot of uh, surfactants in general, right? Like no matter how safe a surfactant is, right? The goal of a surfactant is to remove things that are on your skin. And in that process, I do think that it can be slightly harmful. No matter the most gentle cleansers in the world are going to be part, still probably the most irritating part of your skincare routine for the most part. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I'm with you. You're, I mean, that's the whole purpose of it. You're trying to remove, break apart things uh, off of your skin, and inherently, your skin is the bystander with that. You know, is it the most irritating? I guess I was thinking of exfoliators, procedures, but in the regular everyday routine, it is probably the most harsh. I mean, just functionally. So, yeah, don't overwash, don't overdo it. Twice a day is probably sufficient. Now taking a look at some of these other ones because we'll probably have to skip around um i think we just we'll, we'll we'll go through quick not removing your makeup before bed yes i think that can be bad for your skin yeah uh that being said i actually would raise you one and say try to remove it as soon as you get home from going out because the longer it sits on your skin the probably worse it is for your skin not wearing sunglasses i do think that like squinting um and not protecting your eyes from the sun can be harmful uh, sitting all day is probably one of the worst things that you can do mm-hmm. for your body in general. We're learning that this is maybe as dangerous as smoking, probably not as dangerous as smoking, but just being like recumbent and not moving and people a lot of times not getting up and exercise or at least walking or, you know, the, I think those will probably age you faster and lead to risky cardiovascular outcomes. It probably won't have as much of an effect on your skin as it will on just your cardiovascular health and your risk of heart attack. And so definitely you know, don't life. sit around all day. Yeah, sedentary. Like we see these people every day, like the people who are moving, the quality of their life is exponentially better than the people who aren't at the same age, regardless of everything else going on health wise. So yeah. Ooh, next so. one, applying sunscreens only when the sun is out. That's true. You, even in indirect yeah. light, you need to wear sunscreen. It actually makes a huge difference. Agreed. Avoiding uh, fatty avoiding foods. Fatty what do we foods. think? Uh, fatty foods I think is that's probably mixed. true. I think, well, there are good fats and then there are bad fats. But I think that, you know, the fear of fats, you know, that was, I I think that, you know, as more nutrition data comes out and I'm I'm glad to be debunked by somebody, a nutrition expert on this one. I think as more data comes out, we learn that fats are less harmful than sugars are. And I -hmm. I could be completely wrong about this, but I think that if, um, that fats in general, there are good fats, there are bad fats. I think that omega-3 fats um, are shown to be beneficial. I think there are other fats that have also been shown to be beneficial as well. Um, but I think that overly focusing on like fatty, fatty foods, probably not as beneficial as avoiding sugary foods in my, in my, in based on my research, which I, is limited to be fair. I'm there with you. I think we're catching up. I think it's going to be carbs are it's carbs and sugars are the enemy and fats in proportion and deliberately are probably not as bad as we always thought they were. Right. Crash diet, crash dieting. What do you think about that? Yeah, I do think it's actually pretty harmful, but you find something sustainable and balanced, and I think that's where where it's at for health. And then the last one is multitasking. I think it probably probably doesn't. I think that multitasking in general is fake. I don't think that people can multitask. I, I just think it's physically impossible to focus on one more, more than one thing at a time. 
And uh, yeah, so I think that that's that's probably not going to age you because you can't do it anyway. What do you can you think people can multitask? <laughs> no, not really. Like I remember I took a test when I was a teenager. Like I actually scored really well, um, where you did multiple things at once. Uh, but I, I live it. My mind is kind of chaotic. I do always have multiple things going on. I kind of I don't know. I don't think you're the same way. You're hyper focused. You're really good at hyper focusing. Um, I, I feel like I, I I thrive in like a little bit of chaos and jumping around you're like you're very chaotic too but you're also very focused <laughs> so i'm not so you sure can the do, same like you you've always been able to like do more like you're, you're somebody who can do things in between patients like when i'm in clinic i can only be in clinic i can't even yeah. respond to like an email when i'm in clinic because i'm so like focused on being in clinic and like everything that's happening in clinic and interacting with people and you can like go do something and then come back and be jump right into it for me like i have to be hyper focused on whatever i'm doing to get it done in my mind well what i mean is like doing two things like two things simultaneously i think is impossible i think it's possible for people to do things something for two minutes and then do another thing for two minutes and then do another thing for two minutes which i'm not good at but i don't consider that to be multitasking like you know what i found out it's this listening to music and studying at the same time which i think is impossible yeah, well, you can't do it with words. No words in music. So I found out, you know, we both did very well on our board exams. I found out what worked for me to increase my longevity. Because you hit a wall. You hit a wall when you study as hard as you do in medicine. I found that I could increase the length of my studies. So my scores still stayed the same, if not improved. I could play like a game on my phone plus study and listen to vocal free music or like do something with my hand, like play something over here while I'm studying like after the first read. So the first read, focused, hyper-focused. After that, reviewing, I would do about three things at once for years. Um, and it, it actually, my scores actually improved. So hmm. uh, I think it does help me to have my mind moving in a couple different directions. So maybe maybe, maybe multitasking is real. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe we're wrong. Maybe I'm just incapable of it and I feel like it's just not real. because I've never <laughs> seen it happen, I think it's impossible. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I, I guess that's just my, my my limited brain. My my inability to multitask is has narrowed my thought process. Um, yeah. But fair enough. Doctor Maxfield is more incredible than I am, so I think that's that's fair absolutely not true. To say. Um, so uh, thank you all so much for tuning in to Doctor Leon Hinge. We covered like a lot of like heavy hitting we topics did. within that list, believe it or not. So I think there was a lot of good nuggets in there. You can tell we're pretty biased on certain things. So, you know, take that obviously with a grain of salt. <laughs> you know, I think him and I tend to be a little bit more, a little bit more lax on a lot of these things that people kind of hyper focus and hyper fixate in within the skincare community. I think we all want you to live healthier and happier lives and not make skincare a burden on you, but maybe mm -hmm. make it, you know, add to your life rather than take away from your life. So maybe that's why we lean the way that we do. Plus, we know the extremes of like the worst of it. That's it. We see the extremes. We also want you to focus your energy on the things that matter most. Like, I don't want you to focus all of your time and money onto something that's going to make a minuscule difference. That's that's something, too. So, anyway, it's late here. It's late. It's past my bedtime. But we're thankful for all of you. So, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one. <laughs>